Good evening. Today is January 2nd, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is The Family Afterward, and our speaker tonight is Susan G. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Amy, so much. It's good evening for everybody at this point. Sometimes it's good morning, good afternoon. So good evening. Here we are, January 2nd. I can't believe it's 2023. And thank you so much for inviting me to share and how amazing I get to talk about the relationship chapters, practicing these principles in all my affairs. Um, in the front of the AA 12 and 12, it gives a description, really beautiful description on each step. And as you may or may not know the principle of step 12 is service. And there are three parts to it. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics. And here come the relationship chapters to practice these principles in all our affairs. And it may have one of the longest descriptions in the index. And it says, Domestic relations, I'm just going to read it as is, in AA, outlook upon material matters changes, so do feelings upon personal importance, instincts restored to true purpose, understanding is key to right attitudes, right action key to good living. And there are a lot of clues of what's going to happen if I don't incorporate these behaviors because I have to continue improve and practice. So I can say, oh, I'm done. Oh, there's a great working with others on. Everybody talks about vision for you. That's great. I'm done and dusted. Those other chapters, they're really old fashioned. I'm not a wife. I'm not. I'm not an employer. No, I'm not. I'm an employee and I have a family, but don't you know everything that they've done? Don't you know I'm one of the reasons why I moved here? And I'm going to share my photos because some of you I don't know, and I think they're very helpful. So this is me in all my glory at 250 pounds. Um, this is in Regent's Park here on the left. Um, two of the pictures. And here's me in this hot pink jacket on my 30th birthday. And I'm now 61. So it's been a journey. But I have not been in OA since I was exposed to it in 1982. I have 23 years now. So I had a lot of righteousness and a lot of reasons why I didn't want to belong to this sexy club called Overeats Anonymous. This is when I lost my weight. So there's my hair. And these are some fun pictures today. Um, so this is exactly what, well, the ones on the right are exactly what I look like. They were taken earlier this year. And because I practice these principles in all my affairs, I get to have friends and fellowship that I never, ever imagined I would have. And some of these people you will recognize and some of them, if you're coming to the birthday party on the two on the right, you won't because one's my nephew and one's my cousin. So you won't know them. And here are some other people who, you know, and that's me and my sister in Croatia on my 23rd birthday. Look at that, Lita, you're in my photos now too. And then there's my nephew and I, this is all real time. This was taken in West Hollywood five days ago. So this is all real. I One of the main reasons I moved to America was to get away from my family. My mother was a narcissistic schizophrenic and that was a medical diagnosis. I had an awful stepmother. So 
I had an opportunity to come here, obviously. I'm not a backpack girl, if you know me. Um, and I came here and my life took off. And I thought, this is it. This is great. I'm going to get away from all of them and everything will be done. But what it tells me for, you know, I just have to go backwards a little bit in the book. It says on page 62, Susan, comma, selfishness and self-centeredness, that we think is the root of your troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity. I had tons of that, tons of that. We step on the toes of our fellows and I'm going to add family and friends and anybody who gets in the way when I am drunk on food. And they retaliate and so do I. And then it goes on to say, so your troubles, we think are basically of your own making. Again, I'm paraphrasing. They arise out of you, yourself, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he doesn't think so. Above everything, you, Susan, must be rid of this selfishness. So we read in the pages before that, that I need to have an entire psychic change. Well, how do I have that? Surely at 250 pounds, I go on a diet and I'm okay. And I, I take yoga classes and I've studied Kabbalah and I've been here and I've been there. And surely I'm okay. Thank you, Lita, so much. So I went on my way coming in and out of here and I just didn't want to take take the suggestions. I didn't want to do the work. Didn't I tell you about my mom? Didn't I tell you about my stepmom? How would you ever think I'd ever admit any wrongs in my relationships with them. And it talks about, again, if we go to these chapters, into wives, there are so many nuggets in here, and I read them as the population. I live in the world. I don't live on a desert island. I work with others in the workplace. I go into the grocery store. I Whatever I do, whether it be getting my hair done, getting my nails done, I interact with other human beings, not just all of you on a daily basis. And when I was eating, I was gritting, you know, my fists were tight because if you were doing something that I didn't like or I was drunk as a skunk on food, get out of my way because I was so nice to your face. And then behind your back, I was not so lovely. And it says here, we on page 104, we have had long rendezvous with hurt, absolutely, pride, definitely, frustration, self-pity, again, self-pity, misunderstanding and fear. And it says these are not pleasant companions. My closer girlfriends used to call me Eeyore. Well, if anybody knows the story about Eeyore, it was, he was always so sad and it was always happening to me. And now I can tell you that I'm much more Tiggerific and I resemble Tigger much more than Eeyore. I can't cartwheel or do anything like that. And it says, you know, we've struck out viciously. Absolutely. So let me share with you some miracles as we go along the way. Um, I... When my dad divorced my mom, we were raised by my dad and very, very thankful she wasn't capable to raise us and we didn't see her. Uh, I was of an age where I could choose and my sister wasn't. And I remember one incident when I was around 15 or 16, walking past my mom on the street. And I tell you this because I know that since then, what an emotional rearrangement I had. 
And all the things she did to me and everything else, which we don't need to get into, she walked past me on the street and ignored me. I was so hysterical, I could not breathe. I do know that I went home and ate. I actually went home to a friend's house and my dad had to pick me up because I couldn't walk home or anything. So already you can see that she was my mom. There was that stuff. As time went on in these rooms, I did my fourth step. It was all about my dad, my mom, and my stepmom the first time around. And then there's that column that we add, what was my part? Was a child, I didn't have an understanding for my mom's illness or anything. And as I got older and I had a psychic change and an emotional rearrangement here, a spiritual awakening, I started to open up in my heart about her and I was able to see her. Now, was were we skipping through the tulips and holding hands in Hyde Park? Absolutely not. We weren't. But I was able to have compassion for her. And she was definitely one of us. She was my diet friend. She was my diet friend. She introduced me to, if you do this, I will give you this. So all the frothy emotional appeal of not eating. Um, and I saw her a few times. And my mom died a few years ago. It's probably been three, maybe five years ago now. And my mom was five feet tall, five two, and she was either anorexic or morbidly obese. And she wasn't able to sustain relationships. And we each tried, me and my two siblings from that marriage. Um, and my mom died. She was morbidly obese. She had no friends. She died in her flat on her own that was filled with squalor and all kinds of stuff. And we don't know if she had an aneurysm or a heart attack. And she laid there for three to five days without anybody knowing. And it still breaks my heart. There was nothing that I could change, but I have no hatred. That's, that's what I want to tell you. That is the result of working these steps and taking clear direction. And it says on page 125 at the end of step 12, it says, We've been talking about problems because we are problem people who have found a way up and out and who wish to share our knowledge of that way with all who can use it. So I will say to you, never say never. Never say never because I did and you can, but you just don't know how God will open your heart. And it says understanding is the key to right principles and attitudes and right action is the key to good living. Therefore, the joy of good living is the theme of AA's 12th step. I also went to the cemetery to visit my mom's grave when I was home this year. I couldn't ever imagine that that would have been something that I would have done. And when it comes to my stepmother, do I ever want to see her again? Absolutely not. But she is the mother to my four younger siblings. Not that they have a relationship with her. However, I was not willing to drop my hatred to her for several years into my recovery, for several years. And then I worked a workshop out here that was called Drop the Rock. And literally this woman who did it, Shelly L., she brings these rocks. There's 50 people in the room. I am going to tell you, 
with all my righteous anger. I was the last person to drop that rock because I knew I had to be fearless and thorough in this situation. So if I drop that rock, no more sarcastic comments, no more bitchy comments, no more hateful thoughts about her. And I did it. And I'm neutral. I am neutral on her. That is a result of working these steps exactly how they are outlined and forming that relationship with a power who I call God to relieve me from this bondage of self that I was in. And it says in the family afterwards, this, you know, Henry Ford statement, um, we grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. I learned a lot from both of those women. I have a greater understanding of mental illness. Wasn't fun being raised around it, but I do. Can I cure it? Do I know how to handle people like that? No, but I can pause and have love in my heart because they didn't sign up for that. And it says that the painful past may be of infinite value to other families, people, again, general population still struggling with their problems. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling. I love their words here. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. Because of all of you, I heard stories of how you had gotten up and out away from these situations and had gotten well. You weren't killing yourselves with food anymore. You weren't vomiting. You weren't starving. You weren't morbidly obese. Because those hundred men and women shared their stories of how they recovered from these seemingly horrendous situations. And, and we've read them all. And there's that expression from Yale to jail. We've been there. I've heard some of you saying you've been to jail for shoplifting. You've been arrested in stores. I was lucky I wasn't. But again, all of these things right here in this book and these middle chapters, if you're feeling that your relationships aren't right and you want to go through them with someone, please call me. I'm happy to. And I don't go line through line and say, yes, I'm a this, I'm a that. But it talks about these principles and this insanity also that can return and how we have these stirring spiritual experiences. And it says that on page 128, giving rather than getting will become the guiding principle. But I just can't give to all of you one way and not to others. I just had my nephew here for two weeks and he's never known me any other way than this way. And nothing, you know, I, I was an asshole one time and I, I did respond and said sorry very quickly. I mean, these things just come out of my mouth. You know, he doesn't understand the distances. He's used to going on the train and he was going downtown and then he needed to go to Thousand Oaks. And he wasn't even asking me to drive him, even though I knew driving was going to come in. And I said, I'm not a chauffeur. I, oh my God. That's 15. Thank you. You know, you, you know what? And I said, oh, my God, Zach, I'm so sorry I said that. And he said, don't worry about it. I said, no, no, inappropriate. 
inappropriate. But see, these old behaviors can come back in, but I can catch them really, really quickly. And we had a most brilliant time. No wreckage. I went home this summer for a month. I also personally don't believe that just because, oh, I've got a step 10, I can do it. I'll make some phone calls. I can be awful all day. That is not the point of step 10. As far as I am concerned, you may all feel differently and that's okay. So I can't just say, well, this happened, that happened. By step 10, it, it was okay and keep doing it. No, I have to work on not doing so many step 10s. So I promptly admitted when I was wrong, when I spoke that way to him, and I did out myself in a phone call, but it didn't give me, you know, I couldn't just go off then and be a schmo the rest of the day. It's unacceptable. Um, so, you know, this is where this age of miracles really, really comes in. And to the employers, I love as well. And obviously, look, we know that this is a different world. We've got HIPAA, we've got insurance that provides all kinds of things for people to go to rehab. But I once went to an open AA meeting and there was a guy there and it happened to be this chapter and he was somebody who had been in prison and nobody would hire him. And it was the most beautiful ever share that I've heard on these steps. It wasn't recorded, otherwise I'd share it with you. And it was probably about 10 years ago, but it stayed with me because he got to sit on the other side of the table and make wrong the rights that he had caused with employers. And I just thought it was so amazing. And, you know, it's knowing at the right, oh, and by the way, one more time on page 145, here it is again, those same words, the key theme, it's like a tune. It's like the, you know, the chorus, the greatest enemies of us alcoholics. Here we go. You can all sing along. Resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. So if I'm going to practice these principles in all my affairs, it wasn't that they just said that as I was going into step three. You know, there are so many clues along the way of what will happen if I don't do these things. Um, I'm very, very fortunate. I've had a great career. Even at my fattest, I had great jobs. However, I came home frustrated, angry, resentful, all of these things. I had to rehearse for six weeks on how to speak back to a boss one time. And my sponsor taught me, say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't be mean when you say it. And I've worked around the entertainment industry now for a long time. It's a lot of A-type personalities, pretty aggressive. And you have to learn how to speak up for yourself. And I know some of you are them. And I worked for a very aggressive, very successful entertainment lawyer for seven years. And when I called him for a reference three years ago, he said, whatever you need. But there came a day when he was pretty abusive and I didn't know how to speak up for myself. So I knew how to go home and eat. And I practiced and I practiced. And God, intuitively, I knew when to say something. And one day something happened. And I said, I'm going to be leaving your office now. The way you're speaking to me is unacceptable. I will get somebody in here to help you. And I walked out of his office. I'm telling you, I was schwitzing. I thought I was going to get fired. 
literally, I remember thinking, oh, this 12 step that'll work because I'm on my way out. It's a top law firm, okay? And I closed his door. And I mean, I was like this. And my hair was still curly, thank God, at the time because it was expanding. And he came out of his office and he said, thank you so much for what you just said. I apologize for the way I've spoken to you in the past. And it never happened again. It was really, really hard. So thank you, Missy. <laughs> and thank you again for allowing me to share. I really hope I said something that was helpful. Thank you. Over to you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. That was really wonderful. Thank you so much, Susan. And now we will open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions to relate specifically to the chapter or the relationship chapters in the big book being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine. If you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raise hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would Lita, our timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes? for each chair and announce when time is up. If a speaker's asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay. Um, all right, I hope I'm, uh, this is the order I see. I see Nancy P. Hi. Is that, are you, am I on? Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Susan, that was excellent. Excellent, excellent. And I was just enthralled the entire time. Um, you know, I have recently been telling um, fellows, people that I talk to, my friends, that I have noticed um, that my relationships are healing in big and small ways. And, um, and the fact that I notice it at all is you know, unbelievable, but, um, you know, I, I just feel like there's so many things that happen that, you know, the same ways that I intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle me. Now I can, I can, I feel like it's an, an intuition that I can understand when things are healing and changing. And um, I'll give one small example, and then I want to hear what other people have to say. And um, on New Year's Eve, my husband and I went into Boston to a friend's house. She, she was having a, a party. And um, we live about 15 minutes from the center, the, from downtown Boston. But it was New Year's Eve, and they were having a, a, um, a, you know, first night, they call it, you know, the celebration for New Year's Eve. And we went to the party, and everything was fine. And then we leave, and I was wearing high heels, and Boston's all cobblestones. And so he said that he would go get the car and I would wait. It wasn't too cold, but it was a little rainy, had an umbrella and he was gone 45 minutes. And instead of, and I had to speak at a meeting at eight o'clock, we left at seven for a 15 minute drive and he was gone for 45 minutes. And instead of sitting there fuming about how much I was being inconvenienced and how he never is always, you know, just going down this rabbit hole of horribleness I was, I found myself wondering if he got mugged and in my high heels, I'm like picking my way down the Beacon Hill to get to the, where the car was parked to see if I could help him. Cause I was convinced that he got mugged, even though 
police and fire people were all everywhere and there was going to be no mugging. And um, he drove up finally and I get into the car. He said, well, that was fine. And the reason he couldn't come and get me is because the early fireworks for the little kids are at seven and they're, they're, they go off from Boston Common. We parked underneath the Common and they wouldn't let anybody in. And then when it was time, when they finally did, everybody wanted to leave. And all I said to him was, I was worried about you. I thought you got mugged. I thought you were dead. And I was coming to save you. And, and, and you know, when I got back, it, it just makes me, almost makes me cry. He rushed home for me so that I wouldn't be late to my meeting. And he didn't say, I said, you know, I texted the person that asked me to share. I said, I might be a little late. I explained what was, you know, a little bit what was happening. But, you know, there was no like, that's time. Go back and forth. He just he rushed home for me. That's how much he loves me. That's how much the healing has happened. That'll pass. Oh, I'm sorry. Lindsay, will you share with us? Yes. Hi. I'm Lindsay, compulsive overeater. Um Thank you, Susan. That was really wonderful. And um, yeah, I mean, just you speaking on relationships, you know, is so, so meaningful and so powerful. And it's just, you know, um, I mean, you're, you know, you're someone or you're the person really that, you know, pulled me into the center of this herd and my life has been completely changed and all of my relationships have been completely transformed. And, you know, I just think about Christmas and how I went to, um, spend time with my family and my relationship with my father, um, who is an addict also, you know, has always been really challenging and some other family members. And it's really cool to see that the volume on the resentment is, is so much lower, you know, like what a miracle, because it used to just disturb the hell out of me. And now I'm like, Oh yeah. Like when I'm doing my nightly review, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember my dad did something that irritated me, but it wasn't like with me all day long and like, you know, completely ruining my holiday. And, um, you know, another thing is that, um, <clears throat> yesterday. So, so when you, when you talked about the, the part on 128, where it's like giving rather than getting will become the guiding principle. And that's something that I'm really, um, experiencing a lot right now in my life, um, in, in a new relationship I have is that I'm like, Oh, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? But I'm realizing I'm seeing this psychic change of like, I'm just looking to love someone else. Like I'm looking to say like, how can I comfort and understand and love you rather than seek those things myself? However, yesterday I was in massive amounts of self-pity and I was literally like angry journaling about like how I wasn't getting what I need and I'm the one that's doing all the work. And then I call my sponsor my sponsor's like, yeah, this is all on you. Like, this is all you, you know, like you got to look at yourself and I'm like, thank God for sponsorship and thank God for this program, because it is that reminder of like, I don't get to look at someone else's part. I just look at my part. And, um, it's just really cool because I see that I really have, um, like I've been completely changed and that's 1000% 
a result, like you said, of working the steps as outlined in the big book. It's a miracle. It's a spiritual awakening and um, only happens because I keep showing up one day at a time and doing all of this. So um, anyway, thank you again. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lindsay. Lulu, would you share with us? Hi, Lulu, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, thank you so much. That was uh, really powerful. Um, and, and what I really related to is this, I, uh, when you talked about your relationship with your mom um, and you said, I have no hatred. And this idea of like, you don't know how God will open your heart. Um, and that, thank you for that reminder. Um, my mom died a tragic suicide death and I didn't get to say goodbye. And there was a lot of mental health and a lot of chaos and craziness and toxicity in that relationship. And the entire time until I got into program, I played the victim of like, everybody look at me and what happened in my life and how tragic it is. And I'm, you know, and when I got into program and I realized that there was like this sense of overwhelming compassion and love for her that I'd never felt before um, that changed that like hatred and, uh, you know, angst and, you know, all those negative emotions that I had and, and transform them into this love that an understanding of, you know, she's sick and I had peace and serenity around it that I'd never had in my life. Um, and it was something that I thought I was never going to get over, something I never thought I would have peace about. Um, but, you know, this idea, like you said, the painful past can be infinitely valuable. And now I can share that and not in a, uh, you know, attention seeking, look at me, how terrible everything is and play the victim for attention. But I can share it to give other people hope to give other people uh, the opportunity to not feel alone, just like you did tonight where I'm sitting here now and I'm like, I'm not alone in that feeling, you know? Um, and so I just really wanted to thank you for your share tonight um, and the reminder of the love and compassion that we have to have for those, even when we might feel, you know, that we were harmed in some way, shape or form, we still have to have that love and compassion and I still uh, can only control my part and how I show up. Um, and so, yeah, I just appreciate the reminder. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, 